All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 246. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. And uh, this episode, we are talking about the finale, or really the whole show, of uh, Better Call Saul, the Breaking Bad spinoff, um, which we surprisingly were able to do for over an hour, or at least approaching an hour, which we didn't think we were going to do. So we're actually recording this intro after we talked about the show. It's called Breaking the Fourth Wall, Phil. He's like rolling his eyes and be like, why would you tell them that? You don't have to tell them everything. <laughs> no, well, that's part of the charm of the podcast. But um, before we get started with everything else, I want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're, you're listening. Please try to leave us a rating or even a review. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Three Drinks in Pod. You can like us on Facebook. You can email us at Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. And you can check out all of our merchandise over at tpublic.com. All right. Ready to start talking about the show now? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Episode number 246. I went back to watch like a couple days ago. I'm like, all right, I'm going to catch up. I'm going to watch the last episode. And then I went, oh, I got like three more to go. And I just realized that I had been like that far behind that I missed the last three episodes. Yeah, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they like were kicking themselves that they were showing the present timeline in like black and white at first. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, now we always had to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think a lot happens with this show by, by accident. You know, well, like they're, they're I all think very more, deliberate. I think more than people think happened by accident. Well, that's probably true. You know, like they didn't really think this show was going to get out of that first season. Only because they didn't think they had enough. So when you watch that first season, it, it could just be one one season of that show. Yeah. You know, I'm glad it isn't. I'm just saying, like, that's, you know, like, they discover things as the show is getting made, so. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, that's, I guess that happened with with Breaking Bad, too. Like, you know, I know that there were certain things that were called the organic decisions, because that's sort of how, that's like a useful term for it, if kind of pretentious. Um but uh you know like Jesse Pinkman wasn't going to survive like the mm-hmm. first or second season and i think the episode where he gets like kidnapped by those two two drugged out crazy people with the kid he was supposed to die there right and then yeah and i don't know what the process is for that cuz i don't work in hollywood that like it might, it might just be that some writers are better than others like why does this show work well when they're when they're making it? And they're like, hey, this is good. Let's keep this. Hey, that's not good. Let's let's lose that. And then you get a show like Star Trek Discovery, where it's just awful across the board until the seasons drops and everybody's like they get everyone's reactions to it. And they go, Oh, we need to change that for next season. And they might change it, but the rest of it is still awful. Like it doesn't like they do it all in like one shot. You know, and then they just sort of react to things afterwards instead of changing it as it goes. And I don't know why that happens, but it's a bummer when it does. So you're <laughs> saying, like, you know, you're like, you're in for 10 episodes of horribleness versus like, all right, this episode's not as good, but it's getting better as I watch it. So, oh, so you mean like, you know, working in a vacuum, making an entire season's worth of TV before realizing that, like, you know, you you send it out there to critics or to, to fans and then you get your reaction versus like getting feedback as the process goes on. Yeah. And like older shows did this when they were doing 26 episodes a season and they had to like, like the machine was always going as it was putting out stuff. So they could like look at episodes and be like, you know, that's not working. Let's change that line to this character. Let's make this character a bigger deal than it might've been before we started writing it. And, 
And so it was drawn out. So they were, they were like changing and learning versus like, let's just dump 10 episodes on Netflix and call it a day. And like <laughs> the episodes are all the same in quality. They're all terrible. Yeah. You know, I mean, because it just it's you're right like it's 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 how it's how things get made now there's half a season there's no back nine like you know it's you know it isn't like you shoot shoot the first 13 and you go okay we're gonna get the rest of it later like you know it's you you don't you don't have the option because you have to do everything much faster you don't want to give away stuff so you have to work within a tighter bubble um yeah. And you, you know, you, sometimes too many cooks in the kitchen ruins the stew, and other times you're you're missing an important voice that's going to tell you, "Oh no, you need to change this because it's really fucking bad." Uh, yeah, I, I think it just might, might be just the quality of the people writing the show. I'm going to say it's ninety percent that. Yeah, you know, because you know, like Vince Gilligan still writes a lot of these. He still directs a lot of these, and like a lot of the times we've seen shows where like yeah, I can't think of. Example off the top of my head, where like I guess Seinfeld was like the worst example is where like the showrunner or the show creator left the show after so many seasons, and then when they were going to wrap the whole thing up, they invited him back, and Larry David just wrote the worst script in the history of mankind to end a TV show. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, it's but they but that doesn't happen here. I mean, Vince Gilligan is involved from the beginning, and not so monomaniacally that he doesn't have help. Elliot is it Elliot Gould or Peter Gould? Peter, Peter Gould, you know, Gould. He, he wrote and directed the the final episode of this one. Um and not and not Vince Gilligan. And um you know it's you know, being involved like that consistently. But he's just he's very talented. Yeah, I think it's just gotta be really, really talented. He really talented. like the show has a language so like things are consistent. I love the way this the shows like this are shot where like the Establishing shots are always kind of like off kilter, or like the camera's positioned in a place you don't really expect. You know, I'm trying to think of an example now. I think in this one it was like basically on the end of a like like where the rearview mirror on a car would be facing into the car is that that the that's your opening shot, or like watching somebody cut something from a certain angle, or like. You're the cameras in the garbage disposal looking up at like all of these really, you know, interesting perspective shots just to show you what somebody else looks like from, I guess, a very vulnerable point of view. Like you're looking at them not as as like a standard head on or even from behind, but it's just from an, an odd angle to get a different perspective on a, on a character that you already know. And... um and that's just like a, a cinematic language that's consistent, you know, even across directors and writers. Like that's just something that they do. That's sort of part of the, the style of, of this show. And you know, I I can't tell who directs certain episodes. Like with Star Trek, we, you could always tell because it was you know, again, it's a different kind of show. It's hard to compare the two, but like. This is the ones that were written by Ronald Moore. This ones were written by Brandon Braga. Like. They they had so many different directors with so many different styles that they were you, know, you could they 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 maintain the overall style of Star Trek, which the new shows have basically tossed in the garbage can. But the the writing was always so different in that they just told different kinds of stories with the same people, keeping enough consistentness to make it like relatable or at least you know well, yeah, keep those that, were, that continuity. They could change their styles, but not. You know, their their content could change and their style right. could change, but it was still Star Trek. Whereas, like, and what makes these so much better, Breaking Bad too, is that you know I don't know how many episodes a season. Let's say ten. Here's ten episodes in a season, and they are episodes. Okay, they're not a ten hour chunk of thing that you have to watch, which is where all those Netflix shows are constantly failing. You know. I was looking back at something recently because I somebody said something about Daredevil. I was like, oh yeah, I should look back at those Daredevil things. I never watched that third that last season, and it was thirteen episodes. And I was like, oh my god, we sat through thirteen episodes of Daredevil <laughs> and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and like all those other shows. Like for for a while, they were just throwing out thirteen episodes of everything for no reason. <laughs> just they just had to do that number. And they didn't, they never had enough. They never had enough material. 
So like you would watch an hour somewhere in the middle and you couldn't tell when it ended and when it began. It was either filler or it was just this like continuation from one last episode to the next. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and all this had a beginning and an end. Like here's 41 (laughs) minutes of a show where you can start watching it and stop watching it and feel like you've accomplished something, you've gotten part of the story that that ends here, like a chapter in a book, yeah. you know, and it, it made it so that you wanted to tune in every week instead of like, well, I'll just wait till I have three or four banked and then I'll watch them all in a row. Like, no, you don't, you don't want to do that. You know, that's not how, it's not how it should be consumed. No, you need time to digest. Like, yeah, even I like one a day is a lot too. <laughs> yeah, we're figuring that out now as a as a culture <laughs> watching TV that way. Because when it first was like, "Hey, House of Cards, the whole season," <laughs> you know, we all thought that was the best thing ever. And now, a few years later, we're like, oh, "That wasn't a good idea." <laughs> I don't remember anything I watched. I I wonder. This is a total sidebar here. Did, did the pandemic have anything to do with that, you think? Like the fact that we spent so much time on screens and like huddled in our houses, like just re rewatching The Office for the 900th time. Did we ever just, uh, like, was it something in our brains that went, this is too much television. Your mother was right. Go outside and play for a while. And then we, or is it just a business decision where it's like people are not able to consume this much and so we have to ration it? Otherwise, we're going to just run out of material. I think it's probably the latter. but I, I think it's the latter. I think the internet, pandemic or no, is also that because it can get discussed so much quicker. You know, yeah. like now I can converse and talk about like, let's break down that last episode, you know, but if I'm watching a whole season... I'm only going to write one article on the AV club about this instead of <laughs> one every week. So like you write your one article, you read it, you argue with some nerd on the comment section and then it's over and it's out of your brain and, you know, ready for the next thing, you know, whereas when you break it down and you take your time, you let it sit with you for a while, you know, you, you, it, it's that purposeful delay that makes it um, stick with you, you know? Yeah, you've got time to consider. And there's things to be, with this show specifically, there are things to consider. Like this last episode was really dense. And, you know, I mean, maybe if you're going to write a crappy show like Jessica Jones, or I shouldn't say that was like the second season that was garbage, but like Luke Cage, which ended up falling apart like a, you know, no pun intended, like a house of cards. But even that first season of Jessica Jones, even that first season of Jessica Jones had stuff where I was like, "What are we doing here?" Like, like, I wonder, I wonder, like what happened in episode seven of Jessica Jones? I don't remember. It was all sludge just pumped out at once. I I wonder how much of that because there was all this stuff about like the writers and the writers were going on strike and deals with them didn't include streaming and they were getting hosed on this and that and. Um, you know, they were so married to that 13. I wonder how much of that was like contracts and whatnot. Again, I'm not in the business, so I don't really know. But like, you know, if you were going to buy a show, you had to pay for 13 episodes. Because a lot of those guys, you know, and they're always the the lowest on the on the totem pole. They got squeezed real bad. When it came time to dealing with the money, like they just were not going to pay these, these these people at all, and I wonder if it was just like if you, you know if you're going to buy this, then the standard deal is you get me for 13 episodes. We write you 13 episodes. I don't know. I have no idea if it's like a like a, yeah. a team effort, but I know that there was a money in, involved with it that made it. Um, I don't know. It was like a process. It was like a different kind of, but but that's but you but you're right. There just wasn't enough material there to justify that much television, and I do really feel dumb. Like I spent a lot of time watching these stupid shows, and I really could have been doing anything else. You know, that copy of War and Peace isn't going to read itself. So <laughs> I got it sitting on my shelf over there. <laughs> I will get to it. I finished Don Quixote a couple of years ago, so don't tell me it can't be done. <laughs> you know. So, Better Call Saul was Saul, very good show. Was supposed to be like a like a half an hour sitcom, right? That was like that's what they were joking the, around about. The original premise was like we're gonna do it, you know, 
you know, in like a you know, kind of a goofy, you know, who who and would that have worked? Could they have done that? Not like no. would it have been better than this or worse than this, but like could you have accomplished that goal, I wonder? I don't know. I was reading an interview recently with um the writers of She Hulk, attorney at law. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry. I just I don't know why it <laughs> I mean, She-Hulk is fine, but like, but when you she go finds, attorney at law, I'm she like, finds something comical about the the title of this television program, <laughs> She-Hulk Attorney at Law. That's what it's called. Ooh. And, um, Ooh. Okay. <laughs> writers were saying that they don't. None of them had any courtroom drama writing experience. Like, none of them ever wrote on a show like Law and Order or. Uh, I don't know, one of the thousands, Jag, one of the thousands of other shows that had a courtroom in it, you know? And um, 19 law and orders. I was stunned by that because that you're basically admitting that you don't know how to do it. <laughs> so when Vince how Gilligan, hard could it be is what they thought yeah, to themselves. Basically, like, well, they're paying me. It's just words <laughs> on a page, you know? I, you know. When, when they asked Vince Gilligan about everything, he was like, First, it was just a gag, like oh, the 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 Saul spinoff show, and then when they like paid them tons of money to make one, they were like, well, why don't we do a half an hour thing? And he said in an interview that none of them had any experience doing that, mm. so they all looked at each other like, look, we really don't know how to do this. They're paying us to do a show. We might as well just do one that we know how to do, which is, you know, it worked out for everyone because it turned out to be really good. Um, I'm sure someone somewhere in the back was like, well, why don't we try it? But like, <laughs> you know, you're getting paid a lot of money. You got this legacy kind of show. You don't want to screw that up. Yeah. So they were like, why don't we just do what we know how to do? And I think the tonal shift, if you'd had a half an hour comedy would have been really jarring because as funny as Breaking Bad could be, it was not a comedy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it would have been, it would have been a hard sell to have him go from like, you know, you know, basic workplace sitcom like, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that weren't so good, like Wings, which was what that was, or Models Inc. Or like, what was the one like? Uh, no, Veronica's Closet, or you know, News Radio, which was a great show, but like. You know, you think of see him, see, see him in some kind of like a harried office where he's like, you know, covered in you know paperwork and trying to make ends meet until he just finally decides to, to you know, break bad and become a you know like a criminal lawyer. Uh, yeah, I mean, you it would snap your suspension of disbelief in half. They're like, is this supposed to be the same person? You know, and I, Bob Odenkirk is really talented, and he has a background in sketch comedy and comedy writing that like I think he could probably pull that off but that isn't even the issue the issue is the world in which he inhabits is a different right. Albuquerque New Mexico right people always are criticizing Marvel movies for this like oh they have the same boring house style everything gets washed out yes but if I watched Iron Man as a fun action romp and then I watched you know the Hulk as some sort of like horror movie my brain would have a really hard time with that because they're well, supposed to be in the same thing. So it's like, uh, that's a little odd. <laughs> well, that was my, and I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, in, in, in this context or a different way, but that was my problem with, with Logan, was that, like, we had been watching Hugh Jackman play this part since nine, sort of since 2002. And it was always kind of like, you know, not lighthearted or, or comedic, but it was, you know, kind of funny and rather, like, you know, upbeat, a you know, action adventure movie, and then all of a sudden, it's this incredibly serious, ultra violent western, and yeah. that and which doesn't diminish the product at all. I really, I do have to watch that movie again because it, you know, it's better than I was able to give it credit for because I was just, 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 I was just distracted by that, and I'm. <laughs> You know? Yeah, and like I think that for the opening scene of Logan does a good job of, of telling you that this is something <laughs> different. Like, 
like he's driving the girls in the limo and they're flashing him and there's an F-bomb every three seconds. And I was like, this is not our usual, you know, Brian Singer X-Men thing here. And like, it cuts the guy's like, arms and legs off. Yeah. And, but like, so like it did take, it takes anybody like a little bit of time to be like, okay, this is different. And then I was into it because like, I still had the, the same faces to, to attach to. But you're right, like the aesthetics and the music and the, the camera work was all very different. So, but like there, there's like there's a whiplash there. I was like, oh, okay. But you're right, like that was unexpected. <laughs> oh my good, <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, that that guy's gonna need She-Hulk attorney a lot, Alvin. She-Hulk attorney a lot. Um all right, so we haven't spoiled anything yet, so if you're still listening to this podcast, the spoilers will probably come more so at this point. So go watch the show and then come back to the podcast. But um, this, so we 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 agree this is a good show. It's a very good show. Is it? Question one. We'll do it like the McLaughlin group. <laughs> <laughs> is is it better than Breaking Bad? I think it is. <laughs> I know I'm probably in the minority, but uh, I I think it's a better show. I think it's a better show too. Is it a better oh. show because? I mean, I think it was it was harder to do in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, it. Breaking Bad was it was not an. Well, it was an original idea, and it was the first of this little universe that they made. And so you could tell whatever story that you wanted to. You know, Mister Chips meets you know Scarface. Fine. Um. But you're really hamstring yourself when you're going to take a, you know, not a tangential character, but like you know. You know, not your main character who has a very specific arc that not only do you know what happened, but you're you're also finding out what happened after that too. So like you're you're really just watching like the beginning, the beginning, and you and you're you know you've seen one whole show that's the that's that's his middle story, and then you're also watching his future essentially, and it's just that's really hard. I can't imagine trying to write that to introduce an entirely new cast of characters that all have to have have to get paid off and you know to tell separate stories and yeah like it's the the hurdles that they set up for themselves in doing this like they they probably could have taken it a, a little easier on themselves been like you know what we'll just you won't have a brother that he that that he has a weird, complicated relationship with who ends up killing himself, and we won't have a you know a ridiculous connection to the drug cartel we see later, like you know. But like everything, they just they they went for it on, on with every character and with the complexity of all of all the situations, and there's sort of no reason that this should have worked, and it works really, really well, and I think. I think the degree of difficulty, in addition to the quality of both the writing and the performances, sort of put it over the top of, above Breaking Bad. Well, yeah. I mean, aside from like the logistics, because I know people were saying things like, you know, it's more, it's it's slower, it's duller. There's not a lot of murder and mayhem. You know, that's true. There, there isn't. I mean, I was telling my wife too. Like in the beginning, this was a lawyer show, like a real lawyer show where like the courtrooms look like cafeterias, you know, they're poor looking and miserable places. There's one guy sitting in the courtroom. It's not made out of like varnished wood. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, the judges are on all these smart alecky. I know better than you thing. Like it, it was hard. It was, it was complex. And I was like, man, this is tough to follow if you're not a real lawyer because they don't do a lot of explaining as to what everything is. Whereas, um, you know, Breaking Bad, it felt like people were getting shot left and right. Um, 
but I remember why I only watched Breaking Bad that one the first time through, like when it was actually on TV. Um, it, it had its boring moments too. Sure, yeah. I think most of season four was pretty dull from what I can remember. Um, and this one had it too. You know, it, a lot of procedure where you're watching things just sort of happen. People are, he's making the dough in the Citibon store, whatever. What makes it better is, and it's an unbelievable testament to the people writing it and the people acting it is, the characters are far more complex and interesting than the people on Breaking Bad. Walter White was a good character. I'm not taking away from that sort of thing. But he was pretty much just a guy who felt wronged and he was angry at the world and he was just constantly lashing out and blaming everyone else for his problems. And he was, you know, it was it was easy to pin him on that. Like it was easy to figure it out that that's what he was doing. Whereas everyone in this show, from the brother to Saul to Mike, are so complex and multifaceted that the decisions they make were always surprising. And at the same time, also being like, I totally get why he would do that because he's a jerk in this moment. He's selfish in this moment. He's selfless in this moment. You know, people have multiple facets to them that make them interesting. That's why you want to hang out with people that are like that. I mean, when your whole cast is like that, it makes for so many surprising things that can happen in a show. So when you're watching the breakdown of this person who is not really a good person, but trying to be and like constantly failing at that because he's kind of like that, but also because of the way that people impact him, you're constantly on the edge of your seat. Like, what is this moron going to do next? (laughs) Because he's just like me or she's just like me or whatever it might be. Like all the decisions they make are really, really interesting. So like, even though there's not a lot of uh, how's he going to get out of this one with the machine gun in the trunk kind of thing, I still didn't know what was going to happen at the end of this show. Yeah. That's you know, true. And this, this last episode where he gets caught pretty soon, like he gets caught in the first 15, 20 minutes trying to evade the feds for his part in the enormous drug empire thing he was doing. I was still like, well, he's caught. Now what'll happen? Like, how's he going to get out of this one? And, and, you know, it was really, really interesting. Yeah, you never really, it was never predictable. At any point, could you look at it and figure out exactly what was going to happen? And the other thing, too, was that, like, there would be times, you know, whole seasons would go by where you were watching things happen parallel to each other with, with no intersection whatsoever. There was all the business with Mike and... Gus and building the drug lab and the Germans, German guys. And, you know, on the side, there was things with Kim. And I mean, like there were like the, the couple who was embezzling all that money. They found them hiding in the woods. I like, it had been a while, been a few years. And I, but like, that was an interesting and integral part of the story back then, but I didn't remember them very much. It's like, oh my God, yeah, them. Like, there's just so much of this. It's such a rich thing that there are entire characters that then go on to be useful later in ways you didn't expect, you know, and it's just like, that's the kind of thing I go, well, were they there again because that was part of the plan or is it like, how do we get, you know, to, you know, like you're watching Kim sort of disintegrate, like her moral compass begins to erode after a while. And it isn't until Howard gets killed that it's just like, she has that shock and she, when she walks up and like, you know, ha- having a call back to these characters three or four years later, you know, you kind of wonder like, do they just have them in reserve? <laughs> <laughs> just keeping the actors on retainer. We're going to bring you back just so we can have this scene where she threatens to bring you to a, you know, to, to, to turn you in over this or that. And, uh, yeah, I think some of that too is the, um, the pandemic, like the delay. I forgot there was it. a big delay. Yeah. There was a big delay where I like, I had to watch a recap on YouTube because I was like, it's been two years at least. 
since I've watched this show and I don't remember anything that happened. Yeah, I should really kind of go back and look at like, because I'm sure YouTube has like a season by season recap of the, because there's just so much happens, you know, like you're really, like there were there were things in the final episode, um, like the two of them smoking in the jail cell, like that was like, that was a call back to the first season, right? When they would like sneak cigarettes on the stairwell. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, which I can barely recall because again, it had been so long since I'd seen them. Um, and somebody, I forget, it was one of these guys I watch on YouTube was talking about, um, specifically with the character of Mike, he might've mentioned other people, but he was talking about how, you know, if you go back and watch Breaking Bad now, you know, you really get a different sense of who people are based on their experiences here. And he talks about the scene when uh, Walter tries to get uh, Mike to kill Gus. He's like, well, if we just take care of this guy, then everything will be fine. Gus and Mike gets really mad and then he punches him. And then later on they say, like, you know, he's, he, you know, he's going to kill Walter and... Walter's like begging for his life and Mike says, you know, I'm really sorry about this. But when you first see it, you're like, it doesn't come across like he's actually sorry. He just just comes across as kind of hollow. And then you go back and you watch Mike do all the things that he did in this show and you watch him shoot uh, Werner and, you know, um, like his sort of, you know, disintegration into the, the whole criminal underworld, which... He both seems to easily inhabit, but also it, you know, his conscience wears on him more in this because he's he's changing. Whereas, you you know, but but by the time you you meet him in, in Breaking Bad, he's done that change. He he is that person. He's, you know, much more two dimensional. But so watching it here and then going back and watching Breaking Bad, you you see the continuation of that story where he's genuinely is sorry about having to murder this guy on behalf of the drug kingpin. Sure. Well, that's what for Bob Odenkirk's character too, where it's like when you meet him in Breaking Bad, he's a one-note Johnny. And in this show, you see the beginning of that and you see the middle of that and then you see the end where like that was just a stage in his life. And he was acting that way to get over the pain of losing someone he cared about who loved him for who he was and not like what he could be or what you think he really is or anything like that. You know, and like the best scene I thought was when he's with Brian Cranston and they're supposed to be like in that bunker together. Yeah. And they're talking about like, you know, what if you could time travel, what would you do? And Walt comes up with some nonsense. Uh, my friend screwed me out of this, whatever. And they're, they're both basically lying to each other. They won't admit what they really think. And Saul says, like, I, I actually slipped on a slip and fall and really hurt myself. And I've never been the same. And Brian Cranston looks at him and goes, so you've always been like this? And then just walks away. Yeah, and at that's that a point, great line. You know he hasn't. Like, yeah. he's never always been. Like, this is a brief moment in time for him. You know, like, during Breaking Bad and, like, everyone in the town, like, He's on the bus ads. He's on urinal cakes. He's everywhere. Everyone knows this person that like as this character, you know, and he really isn't that guy. He can be, but he tries not to be. And that's fascinating to me. So I was like, God damn, this show is very, very good. Yeah. yeah. It's um, and and you can also read that the other way, too. You know, like, yeah, you know, because you, you do know that, no, he hasn't always been like that. But at the same time, you know, all throughout Better Call Saul, when you meet him, he's got this thing in him that he can't shake loose from, you know. And um, what's his brother's name again? Um, uh, Christ. <laughs> Michael McGean. I can't think Michael of the character's McKean. name. Chuck. Is it Chuck? Yeah. Yes, yeah, Chuck. Chuck. So Chuck points out that like when he was a kid and their parents owned like a like a five and dime that he would take money out of the till. Mm-hmm. And like he was always running because so, like he's always kind of running a scam. He's always got an angle on things. And you know, it's 
you're right. He, he's fighting this thing inside of him, this little demon he has inside of him the whole time. You know, he goes and gets a law degree, but he doesn't do it the way that Chuck does it. He, he's just too old. So he doesn't con his way into one, but he gets a law degree through correspondence, you know, which is sort of a, atypical and, you know, not a real lawyer, as, as Chuck tells him later on. Um, so, like, you know, when when Walter says, you've always been like this, he just kind of says it matter-of-factly, like, there's always been this thing in you that's been present and you've just been, you know... Like, his his answer is very different. And I can't tell if it's that Brian Cranston's character dismisses the idea of the time machine and just kind of cuts right to, to the chase. Because when he, when he talks to Mike about it in, in the desert those years earlier, he says, like... You know, Mike has a very poignant response to that question that keeps in line with the premise. If you had a time machine, what would you do? I would go back and not do this. It's like, fine, but what you're really talking about is regret. regret, And Jimmy's answer is very bluntly, if I had a time machine, I would go back and I would do something. Not that I would not do something. So... You know, it the fact that those two scenes happen in you know in the same episode is it it is fascinating, and you can kind of look at it from both perspectives. Like, yes, he's always been like this, but the answer to this scenario isn't always the same. And you're right; like, you see him changing over time, and then like he tries to fight this thing and become somebody else, and it doesn't doesn't really work because he can't not play the game, which is what gets him caught in the end. Yeah, well, that's what always is the best when you're reading books too. Is like. It can be multiple things because people are complicated. And if you write something complicated enough, it feels real. I mean, these people aren't real, but they feel real. Yeah. You know, so like, I mean, you can talk about regrets, but also how like they're not honest with themselves, you know, what's more important to them. Because when he talks to Mike about it in the desert, Mike says like, I'd go back and tell myself not to take that bribe, you know? I'd be a good, assuming that would make him a good person in the end. Yeah. Like I already did something bad. Therefore I might as well just keep doing bad things. Well, okay. Whereas he says, I'd go back and play the lotto and win a lot of money. He looks at him like, that's it. He goes, well, what else is there? Yeah. You know, cause at the time that's what he thought was important. And then when he does it with Walt, it's like, I would not actually, I would do a better scheme. Like yeah. I wouldn't actually hurt myself. Like at that point, he's more confident that he could screw with people without really screwing himself. And it's like, that's not much better. <laughs> You're just not being honest with yourself, you know? Yeah. Or, or or he is being honest. And like there is, you know, we all kind of expect that there are, that there are people that are, re- that are, that are redeemable. Like that's like a, you know, good people tend to have that, default opinion about the rest of humanity like oh you could be a good person if you chose to be and maybe that's not true people are wired differently yeah well well, that's the question i think it brings up that's really interesting is you know what does it take to be a good person to go against your own nature sometimes because the brother hasn't pegged you know you're a bad person who do bad things. And when you try to do good things, you still don't do them right. <laughs> you know? And like that wears on um, Bob Odenkirk's character where he's like, I thought you were happy with me. I was really trying my best, but you only see the negative side of me doing my best. You know, it was, it was very interesting. Cause I was like, yeah, I mean, he is trying, but on the other hand, he, he's still not doing a great job of that sort of thing. So it's endlessly fascinating to watch yeah there's no selfless like truly selfless moment until the end of the show Mm. when and which which we should get to in a minute um what was Rhea Seahorn in before this do you know of anything she was in uh not really yeah like I'd never I mean I can I can look it up right now but like I don't recall seeing her in anything um b- before this i am db and what did you think of her uh i thought she was fine i think people liked her more than i did 
you know, like she played, she played cool, calm and collected all the time. And then when she wasn't doing that, she was playing like broken down and dispirited. (laughs) So, which are pretty much kind of the same. She had, she had very few times where she was allowed to like relax and smile and be happy which is not her fault. That's what the story you know, required, but everybody always made jokes. Like once a season, she had one big scene where she was like trying to win an Emmy. She never kept winning. <laughs> and I was true. like, but they're all the same scene where she yells at someone or she like stands there about to cry because she's mad at somebody. I'm like, it's just the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It was a, it, it, she was the least, the least complex character. She was not as complex a character as the other people in the show, and and I think also probably not as talented an actress as the other people in the show or actor. I should keep that term, you know. Yeah, her character wasn't as wasn't as complex because she was in the end a good person and always always really was, you know, like she was too smart for her own good because she was in like tax law and then like property law and all that. But she, all she wanted to do was like help poor people. Okay. She did bad things for the rush and the thrill of it being with this person. Okay. I know people like that. They're, they're terrible and toxic to each other. Like before the term toxic relationship became a thing, that's what these two people are to each other. Hmm. And she's smart enough to realize that at the end, after she watches someone get killed because of their own actions, you know, it's fun and games for them until someone dies and she breaks it off. Okay, fine. I mean, I understand, but it wasn't as complex or interesting as there, as the other characters. Yeah, no, I, I did appreciate that the, like her, I think, I think her scenes were always written like those, like, you know, Emmy scenes that they, they, they try to give her. They really wrote the hell out of those scenes. And like the one that where she gives it to Howard was, you know, that was good. And I also thought like the, the scene where she, where she leaves Jimmy and says like, uh, you know, all this happened and, you know, I forget what she says exactly, but like, you know, there were things I chose not to do because I was having too much fun doing this. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it was just an interesting admission that she had, where she, where, where she was saying, "I let this these things go by. I you know I could have done all these things, but I chose not to because oh God, what the hell was it? Now it's gonna drive me crazy." But like, oh. all I remember is the part where he says, like, like she says, like, "I can't be around you anymore," and he says, "Well, we love each other," and she kind of shrugs and goes, "So what?" You know, like that's not enough to justify all the destruction that they do to other people. Like they're bad for other people because they enjoy yeah. that stuff together. And I was like, yeah, that's sure. It it takes a, a certain person to admit that, you know, and like, he oh, yeah, can't, he can't admit that. That's what causes him to spiral, you know, and, and her to retreat. But, um, it doesn't make her as interesting because his his way of dealing with it was more interesting than hers. Yeah, hurt me, which which is kind of okay. Like someone need needed to be like she needed to be the adult between the two of them to step away and say, okay, you know, I can't do this anymore. Like that's boring, <laughs> but it's also the foil for him and the right thing to do. And so, like, you yeah. sure needs that. I mean, that's what that's what most people would do. That's why it's fun to watch what other people would do who are more extreme than you. You, know, you get the gold-bladed toilets and the, the day-glow suits, whereas she just goes to live in the most boring place with the most boring people talking about boring things. With a boring haircut and the boring... <laughs> it's, it's amazing how thorough that is without being too much of a caricature. Like the way that her boyfriend sounds having sex. Yeah. Yep. 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 And then like... Mayo versus Miracle Whip. Like, oh my god! I, I thought it. I thought it was a little over my like. I'm like, what do people who live and work in places like that really think? <laughs> like, we're not yeah. that boring, I swear. Well, to them, it's not. I mean, to the, I mean, 
you know, it's 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 interesting if you live, you know, in a. I I don't want to use the word small because that doesn't sound good. Although that's what it is. It's a small world, and that's probably what's appropriate for most people is to kind of live in that small world. Did 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 you notice how she never made it a single decision in that entire? Oh yeah, that was her y- thing. Yeah, right. she she wouldn't tell someone what she thought about anything. Yeah, she always shrugs like, "Oh, I guess it's this. I guess it's that." And then I'm like, "It could be. The- might. You might like it." Like it, it it was always giving herself an out and never committing to anything. Which was- yeah, I mean, and part of that is because you know it, it's so boring. She doesn't actually have to say anything to still be part of the conversation. <laughs> You know, this was a woman who was a lawyer for the top firms in other parts of the country. And here she is shrugging and like everyone's like, yeah, I, I know. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's all she has to do. So it's it's multifaceted there, too. Um, was there anything about the show that you didn't like? The, the stuff with Mike. Uh, I felt got dropped a little bit, you know? I mean, first of all, there's there's huge chunks of the whole series where Mike and Saul don't intersect, you know? And and that's done because of what happens in Breaking Bad, whereas, like, Saul doesn't know that Mike works for Gus Fring. He always just thinks he works for him in Breaking Bad. And then, like, it's a big it's a big shock to him that Mike would turn on him. You yeah, know, so, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Like, you know, he always thought that Mike was working for him, and then at some point he needs something out of Saul, and Saul's like, oh, "I can't tell you that stuff, Mike." And Mike's like, "I'm going to break your legs if you don't tell me." And it's like, "Oh my god!" And then, you, then he realizes that Mike is not really on his side. Um, so like, there's big chunks of the show where they don't even really intersect at all. Like their stories are are parallel, and, and they don't really come back together. And it's supposed to be about Saul. It's not really about Mike, the show. But Mike, Mike's storyline kind of ends an episode or two before the, the finale. And it doesn't get a big like send-off. It just sort of stops. So I was like, yeah. oh, Mike's not in this one. You know. And and he's the only one you know that actually like lives. Cause like the other characters, like uh, the Hispanic guy, Nacho, and all those other characters, you know they can't be in the show later. Right, they have so, to die. So they had to die, and and their their endings were pretty good. But I felt Mike got a little shortchanged at the end. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that I enjoyed the way that the stuff with Lalo ended. I think I don't know what it was, but like you know, they had built him up as basically being a super, like you know, like a super villain. In the way that he was able to, you know, he 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 survives the attack on the compound. He in incredibly, you know, <laughs> in sort of an unbelievable kind of way. Um, you know, he tracks down every. He goes to Germany and he finds that guy's wife, who I presume he kills. And um, I think he leaves her alone. That's the whole thing. Well, what does he do? He takes the. I there was some clue behind like a picture frame that that led him back to to Gus. No, it was more interesting than that. It was like a piece of um drafting equipment that had been like put into resin and was given to him as a gift. And I like you watch them make it. Like there's this whole scene where like at the beginning of an episode where they're making this thing. Anyway, but and then he, you know, he he finds the other guy and cuts his leg off and like all this. And then, you know, he kills all of Gus's henchmen. He has Gus on you know, on the edge of insanity with, you know, all the security. And then he just, he kind of is dispensed with. Like, Gus has him one-on-one. He sees an advantage. He takes it, and then Lalo just dies. And I'm not so sure that there was a payoff for him that would have justified all of the, you know, skill that he showed in tracking him down and luring him to where he did. But, um... I don't know. It was just it seemed almost anticlimactic given everything that that he had done to get himself there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of um 
that actor was very good. And they said, like, this guy's so good. We, we should keep him around. And they, oh, they made phenomenal. his part big. They made his part bigger because of that. Um, he's very handsome, too. He's very, very a handsome, standard, nice handsome, mustachio gentleman kind you of. Know, and he was in um, that the Hawkeye show on Disney Plus. Oh, really? yeah, he was in that. He's going to need She Hulk Attorney of Law. Because, uh, <laughs> I think he gets framed for something or. Like you think he's the bad guy, he's really not. Whatever. Um, I mean, he had to go at some point, so they were like, "Might as well have Gus do it." You know, I, I think it was his overconfidence that gets him. At the end, with the camera there, yeah, like right. he, yeah, because he has like done so much, where he 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 you know he fools everyone, and then he overestimates his own abilities because he's because right, he's already done all these like superhuman things that that get him out of trouble and stuff. You're like, how is this guy supposed to be still alive? It's a little bit ridiculous, but that feeds into his ego. And then the next thing you know, yeah, that's what gets him killed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right, and then what do you think of the final episode? Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was good. I, um, I was trying to figure out by the end, like, He goes through all that and then, you know, gives himself up just to. I, I wasn't quite sure I understood what was going on. He finds out that Kim has 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 told, you know, both the DA in Albuquerque and uh, Howard's wife or a widow about what what actually happened, and. But then. Saul confesses to it and therefore makes the civil suit unlike I wasn't quite sure what his plan was there because the DA was 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 going to sit on it they said cuz they had no actual evidence that any of this stuff had happened but she was going to get sued by Howard's widow in civil court for, for get sued yeah but by him doing that that precluded that possibility yeah that's that, was, that oh. sort of stops that from happening yeah, I guess I was just kind of murky on that. And it it makes him look better in her eyes. Which is well, which yeah. is most of it. Like he's like I'm going to do one last thing, one last good self-sacrificing thing. Yeah. And and put myself in jail forever to to win her respect and save her some trouble. You know, cuz like by saying it was me, I I coerced her to do it. It was you know, these these plans are my idea. Yeah, I guess that's gets, true. Yeah, if he it, makes it, it gets her off the hook a little bit. Makes the case harder to win if yeah. somebody else has confessed to doing this. Right. Like yeah, she, okay. She didn't, because like at that point, it was just her. They didn't know where he was at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Just the fact that he was able to get, like, they finally catch him. He's in that room and he gets him from like 190 years down to seven and a half, you know. Yeah, in like a super, you know, swanky prison in North Carolina, and then all, the way, and then by the, by the end, you know, it's just you know, then you like you know where he's going too, like when when you see it on the back of the of the shirt. Yeah, and then everybody likes him in jail. Like he's like respected, and, and people enjoy him, and. You know, like, so like that very last scene where he's in the prison and he's like making bread or something. He's like, right. oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. And they're like, oh, yeah, we got you. Like, everyone's like, like saying hi to him and everything. Like, he, he belongs there. You know, he's a friend of the downtrodden. And, you know, well, that's sort of his point. thing. Like, he's, he's so comfortable with those people, people who have, you know, who are, de- who are degenerates, who are, who have no moral compass. Like, he's, you know, he can kind of walk in both worlds. He can walk into 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 a courtroom and you know be smart enough to play that game, but also he has no problem and no compunction about you know helping people who are truly hideous. Well, well right. I mean, I think I think the idea is that he belongs there, right? Like, like, yeah. You know, ultimately, he's, one, he's he's got more in common with them than anybody else. Yeah. Which is why he's so comfortable there. At, at the end. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but I thought it was—I thought it was good. You know, it, it was—you know—those last-minute confessions where they blurt everything out are always a little cheesy. But 
It was fine. It was not out of character. No, everything, everything basically made sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, this so the scene with uh, Aaron Paul. So the ki- the guy that goes in there says, "I don't do no paperwork." Is was he in? He was in the show earlier, right? He was in Breaking Bad. Was he? Yeah. Didn't he, he say that? Oh, you 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 defended my my friend for stealing the baby Jesus out of the. Was was that a scene I we saw earlier or no? I don't think that's a scene. Okay, because I so some of them are callbacks to things you've seen. Some of them are callbacks to things that happened in Breaking Bad. He he's the guy that they melt in the bathtub in Breaking Bad. That's him. No, yeah. that's the other guy. That's Crazy Eight. Don't they melt a couple of guys? <laughs> <laughs> No, they. Uh, I, looked, I looked it up at the time. Now I'm getting confused, but but he was I, in the show. I mean, I actually like. <laughs> I loved actually that guy's performance in this Crazy Eight's performance, because like, he's not Crazy Eight in this. In 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 this show, he's like timid and like you know he's he's under Nacho and you know he's <laughs> but 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 by that I mean you that that you meet him in Breaking Bad, he's uh, you know much more hardened drug dealer. But so that was a new scene that was shot. Was the scene with Brian Cranston also new? Yeah, all those scenes are new. All those scenes are new. Okay. The, the thing is that Brian Cranston always looked kind of old. Yeah. And uh, the other guy was young. And the, when the show started, he was young. He was he was like in his twenties, and now he's like forty, and he's obviously looks forty. Aaron Ball. Yeah. You know, so when they, they talk about him and they dress him like he's young, but he, he clearly doesn't look young. No, well, I think that's why they shot it in such low light, too. Yeah, and they put that the crazy outfit on him and everything. The hat and everything, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, they did that when he was in that movie, El Camino. They show him escaping everything, and they're, like, they're talking to him like he's a teenager. I'm like, this 40-year-old is clearly... <laughs> he's not in high school anymore. Yeah, because well, you, you forget, too, and this is... Like this was something else about Breaking Bad that was different. The show took place over two years, even though it actually yeah. took place in real time over like five, five or six. Oh, at least probably seven. I think that last season took. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you're right. It only it was, took. It was short. You know? Yeah, so like that's that does. They don't do that a lot for the for the reason that like it poses problems. When your timeline is short for the show is shorter than the actual time it takes to make it, yeah. you know your actors will change over time, assuming that no, no, no nothing tragic happens to them. Like, what's that guy? Terrence Malick makes these movies now that take place over forty years, and you yeah. know they they come back to the, which is I think a, I still think it's a gimmick. It's like oh yeah, it's, you know it's it's as gimmicky as the as the one take movie, and I like a one take movie. But like you know, God forbid that Ethan Hawke bit the dust before they they finished um, that movie that 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 he just did a few mm. years ago with uh, with Malik. You know, what do you do? It's a lot of work down 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 the drain. You can't get anything out of that. Yeah. So. And and this one was very coy about showing you like when it really was. Everyone's like, well, if you notice his phone model, it was that was obviously the year two thousand twelve, and I'm like. <laughs> No, just throw up a calendar somewhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, what year is it? Like that stupid meme. Like, I don't know when this is taking place. You know, but whatever. It's a good show. Good show. It's really, we're not going to get one like it. it again. Like we we kind of all thought that at the end of Breaking Bad, we're like, well, we're never going to see something this good again. And probably the- one of the best spinoffs ever. Yeah, I mean. Have there been dramatic spinoffs of shows? Like, there's some obvious ones that are like kind of not worth mentioning. Like, you know, and all of the NCISs are spinoffs, even the original one, right? Because it was a, it was a because that was a a spinoff of Jag, yeah. So, which, but like, I mean, you got like, I mean, to me, the 
there's a difference between like Cheers and Frasier. Because you can kind of look at Cheers and go, that was a great show. And then you make Frasier, that that was also a great show, if not better. Um, But for some reason, I kind of don't want to consider the spinoffs of like Law and Order and NCIS as being like worth talking about in the same way. Like I wouldn't make the comparison because they're procedural uh, procedurals and it's just that doesn't, you're not doing anything different with them. With Frasier, you were making different choices with different characters that just happened to be, you know, be on a different show that, you know, it was, there was callbacks to it. But so like I would compare Cheers and Frasier to, to Breaking Bad and this faster than I would compare like, you know, all the NCISs or, or Law and Orders. Right. I mean, most of those shows are just more of the same with a different character. So you can just continue it on in a, in a different way. You know, I mean, Frazier's a comedy, but it's let's take this character and plop him somewhere else and just watch him spin his life someplace in a different part of, of the country. Or, you know, there's a spinoff of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Angel. But he's basically just more vampires versus regular people kind of thing. Where like, this is a show that slots into the old one so well, mm. like they're so interconnected that you can have one without the other, but together they're incre- they're incredibly dense and complex. I don't know any other show like that. No, and if you go like just to like I'm looking at at Wikipedia now and. You know, it is sort of amazing. Like, all in the family had basically five spinoffs. I didn't even know existed. Like, they 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 made so many TV shows years ago, just cranking them out. Um, you know, like Pinky and the Brain is one that <laughs> sticks out to me. It's like there's a really great spinoff. That was a great show. Yeah, like for like. That's the kind of quality that we're looking at. And, you know, like there's a tremendous amount of, you know, TV here that no one has ever even remotely heard of. Um, But, you know, everything else kind of, you know, just kind of blends in. But like like very few of them are worth your time at all. Well, yeah. A lot of them are just procedural types type shows. You know, yeah. Like I mean, they had, they had the okay. good wife. That the good wife has a spinoff. Everyone says is really good, but it's just more courtroom drama stuff. Just yeah, without, and the medical shows, the medical shows. Private practice was the spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, yeah. Um. You got eight Walking Dead's now. I don't know. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I actually think that the Walking Dead stuff. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. Is all I get out of it is the. Uh, um, or like the commercials I see before something on AMC, but I think you have a lot of potential there. Based on just the title of this, like Tales from the Walking Dead, like I like that idea of like a non, you know, um, a non-serialized show where you just get like a um, what's the word I'm looking for? If it's the the, the opposite of of serialized. Episodic? Epi- uh, yeah, but I'm thinking like Fargo. Oh. Uh, I can't think of that word now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I okay. but like, yeah, it was something like that where like you get, you know, little stories here and there, like Black Mirror or something like that. You know, you could, you could do that, which is what was, that was the brilliance of World War Z was that you got people's perspectives on a, you know, different perspectives on a singular event. You know, which is kind of like what happened with with COVID. Like everyone's got a, like a, a different COVID story. You know, when did you get it, and do you know who died, and when did they die, and like, what well, you know, what was it like in Florida versus in Minnesota or New York, and um, like that 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 lends itself to that pretty well. Whereas, um, you know, some of these shows just you know they they're, they're not that, not quite that easy to do. This one, poof, yeah, one of the best. We are not to see its like again. Uh, no, I'm, I haven't watched anything since. <laughs> it sounds pretty sad, but you know, 
It was yeah. good. I needed time to digest. <laughs> Definitely. Well, if you guys out there uh, have any thoughts that you want to share with us about your experiences watching Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, you should let us know on Twitter or Instagram. We are at Three Drinks in Pod on both. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. You can email us at three drinks in podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and check out our merchandise store over there at tpublic.com. That's it. That's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.